Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. As a dentist, Dr. Jessica Metcalf had to intentionally manage and minimize her perfectionism. Through this work, she started on a journey of understanding her inner voice. Today, she talks about what she's learned along the way from dentist to coach. According to Dr. Metcalf, there's power in our inner voices. She tells us about two theories behind how our inner self speaks to us and how the imposter syndrome plays a part in the way we view ourselves. In this podcast, Dr. Metcalf teaches us to reframe our inner voice and stop using the word just to downplay our accomplishments. Helping high-achieving women find and listen to their inner voices is Dr. Metcalf's passion. Through this experience, she's able to share with us how to reframe our doubts and failures and set up a community of support around us. Sit back and listen to all the gems Dr. Metcalf shares with us in this episode. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode including the best way to get in touch with Dr. Metcalf. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Really love your work and how you are really um, helping people understand and normalize these ideas around our inner voice, how we talk to ourselves. Um, And I really love to talk about all these things. Um, But more importantly, I want to start with your journey. Let's talk about how you have arrived where you are right now through the, you know, the ups and downs and really kind of, you know, what really helped you kind of hone in on what you're doing today. So kick us off. It's all all on on you now. Oh, it first off, thank you so much for having me. And it's so fascinating when we look back and sit in that reflection of how we went from point A to point B and those struggles. And when you're kind of in the thick of everything, the struggles seem so much bigger. But then when you get that bird's eye view and you take a look back, you're like, whoa, definitely needed to happen to be able to process and get to the point where you are today. And that takes me back a few years ago when I had initially started teaching the medical and dental community how to improve patients' quality of life post-cancer therapy. Mm -hmm. And at the exact same time, I had been recently diagnosed with what I was experiencing, my third burnout, clinical depression, and a generalized anxiety disorder. Mm. And I did all the right things. I checked all the boxes. Um, I was education director. I was a full-time staff dentist at one of the top five cancer centers in the world. Mm. I was on every education board from our local (laughs) society to our national societies. I was a clinical instructor. Like I was just doing all the things. And so to me, I was like, there's no way I have depression. I'm still functioning. I'm still doing everything. But there was so much more that was going on and it was how I chose to take care of myself and how I thought that inner voice, which was so loud and what I like to call my inner gremlin, tore me down just Mm. bit by bit until it just finally broke me. And when I started to navigate what was going on with me, I was like, 
oh my goodness, why is no one really talking about this, especially from a high achieving perspective? So all these high achievers out in the world doing very similar things, and yet no one's talking about kind of that dark mental chatter that's happening. Yes. So at the same time that I was teaching clinicians and the communities how to improve patients' quality of life, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start to sprinkle in ways for the clinician to be able to take care of themselves because the suicide rates, especially within dentistry, weren't are still so high. Mm. And then what I noticed is when I finally started to feel comfortable sharing my story more openly, I had all these people who started to reach out saying, thank you. I thought I was the only one because yes. it didn't feel like you could share as that high achiever. And so years started to pass and being again within education, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start putting together more information. <laughs> yes. Which now I teach high achieving women how to improve their quality of life because we hear all these buzzwords like imposter syndrome and burnout and perfectionism. And there's always these just top five tips of, okay, meditate and do yoga or go right. to the gym. And, but no one actually explains why it's going on and mm -hmm. that foundational aspect and then sustainable changes. And so that's what brings us right here today where now switching from doing clinical dentistry only on a part-time basis while I, coach other women and mm -hmm. lecture globally at this point on those topics in order for high achieving women to understand that they can choose to take care of themselves by changing their inner voice. Mm, I love that. And I love the, the journey. And I, I love how you actually talk about the how you teach self-intelligence, right? We've mm -hmm. all heard about like emotional intelligence and all of these different things, but I really do believe in, and, you know, I think, I think that's where you and I had a lot of synergies and overlap where we're both kind of teaching about, it really takes individuals, you have to really look inside yourself. And a little bit of that self-care is about getting to know who you are, the kind of leader you are. Mm -hmm. But like you said, managing that inner gremlin, that you know, we're teaching and coaching around how do you turn that inner critic into an inner coach? And I love your new book, the Speak Kindly, You're Listening, really teaching those high achievers on, you know, how to understand the why and what their inner voice is saying. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because everybody does kind of get kind of hung up on the idea around imposter syndrome, perfectionism, the whole idea about burnout. But Let's talk a little bit about how you break it down, because I feel the way that you break it down sometimes really does um, it one, it normalizes, but it contextualizes what it is that we're really feeling, because there's a link between all of those things. But I'd love for you to kind of dive into that. Yeah. So it was funny when I was going through my own stuff, I remember reading it. I can't remember what book it was in, but I was reading and all of a sudden I was like, this is me but what do I do? <laughs> and right. like, how do I make those changes? So when I started to make connections and especially being at a re research cancer center, it was really easy for me to kind of dive into, okay, what's going on? How do we understand the connections? And one of the most staggering statistics that I came across was that when you experience imposter syndrome and perfectionism, it is one of the highest indicators of developing psychological distress, mm. ultimately leading to burnout. And so when I saw these numbers, I then decided, okay, we got to go right back to the beginning and where 
where does this essentially start from? And what I started to piece together was a large portion of that is your inner voice and how you choose to speak to yourself as that high achiever and how you choose to use it as a motivator. Mm. And so it's not getting angry at yourself now because it's like, oh, that I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. It's recognizing it for what it is. It got you to where you are today. So you get to thank it. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be the only way. So you don't have to consistently tear yourself down. Mm-hmm. And so there are two theories on why we have an inner voice. The first one is, is that it helps us control our behaviors and our actions in the world. And Mm -hmm. those turn into subconscious thoughts. So you wake up in the morning, you roll over, you turn off your alarm clock, you get up, you go brush your teeth, you, all of those, that's your inner voice communicating to you, telling you, okay, these are the things that I have to do throughout the day. We don't necessarily hear that all the time because those turn into just regular day-to-day habits. So we start to hear it the most when those actions get connected with our emotions. Mm. And so what ends up happening then is the second theory of why we have an inner voice is that it then commits our experiences to memory. Mm. So if we're consistently telling ourselves that we can't do something, and you show up and you apply that action or you step into that meeting Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this wasn't the way that I wanted to show up or I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. You then take that voice, commit it to memory. And now you sit in this fear of, well, I can't do that again. Mm -hmm. And then the imposter syndrome aspect of it starts to come in because anything you do in regards to progression, you end up discounting it. So, oh, it was just because I knew so-and-so. Oh, it wasn't that hard. I only put in X amount of work hours. Right. And then we start to over-justify or underestimate our own abilities. And it all comes back to how we choose to speak to ourselves. Same Mm -hmm. thing goes for end up in or heading into burnout. Choosing that you don't think you're worth it to prioritize, to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I have to take care of so-and-so, or I have to do a really good job, or things have to be perfect. And what's the first thing we sacrifice? Ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so powerful. So I want to talk a little bit about maybe explaining to people, because I feel like sometimes these strategies wrapped in stories really kind of help people relate. Mm-hmm. But you yourself have done quite a bit of a transition where, you know, you're um, this phenomenal doctor who's working at, you know, the top institutions in her in her industry. And then you've chosen to kind of take a pivot, pivot a little bit and start coaching in that process, did you have any kind of fears or limiting beliefs or kind of uncertainty of, you know, trying to make that decision of stepping back from, you know, your career that you've studied so hard to do and and make that pivot? And if so, how did you manage that inner voice, that inner gremlin as to, you know, sometimes popping up and saying, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It still does. And I think that it's, especially when it's you start to recognize that inner voice, it's knowing Mm -hmm. that it is a form of speaking to yourself, but it doesn't have to be the only form. Mm -hmm. And so when it does 
arrive because there are still times don't get me wrong i've worked through <laughs> those gremlins like you wouldn't believe and there are still moments in time where it comes up but i can now see it for what it is mm-hmm. and so when i was in that transitional period in my life the statement that just kept playing over and over for me was you're just a dentist you're just a dentist mm-hmm. and that just tore me apart inside. And so every time that I said that, it was as if all these building blocks that I had put into place and the knowledge that I started to obtain and the extra courses that I started to take, it didn't matter because that statement would always be the first thing that came up being like, you're Mm -hmm. just a dentist. And that's when I started to realize too, that as a perfectionist, I needed to be perfect in every area to justify then that I was a good coach, but I was already a good coach to begin with because Mm -hmm. of treating my patients and being within education and having this willingness to continue to learn and growing outside of an academic institution as well. Mm -hmm. And I think in today's world, especially sitting in academic inflation where you're being promoted to go get a master's degree and a PhD because Mm -hmm. that defines expertise. But that's only happened in the last couple of decades where we've continually moved this academic inflation line Mm -hmm. because now we have to understand that it's outside of the academic institution that we're also building our knowledge and -hmm. experience and that continued learning. And that was a big aspect for me, especially as that perfectionist because you're always looking for that 90% on a test, yes. (laughs) right? And now it's, okay, I've got to create and look at my own progression. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? So I had to change how I viewed myself first before I was then able to step in and be able to help others. Mm, That's powerful. So, and what you've described and what kind of I hear a little bit is there is that imposter type of the perfectionist, but then a little bit of overlap with that imposter type of the expert, like needing, mm-hmm. having to have every certification, every degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I always say I'm a recovering perfectionist and a recovering kind of um, expert. And as well as like, there's so many of them that I see in myself and they pop up in different things of like the natural genius of things used to come really easy. And when they, there's more energy that needs to be expended, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why is it taking me so long to get this concept? Yeah. Something, right? Yeah. Um, so how did you reframe or how did you all of a sudden call yourself out or call that inner voice out and say, like, stop it? Or, you know, what is it that you would say if someone, if you had to tell somebody, how do you manage the inner voice? What would you tell them to, to do? Step one. So, Step one would be understanding where that voice initially came from. Mm -hmm. And you may not find that answer right away, but it's recognizing that, okay, it's time for me to put in the work. Where did this initially come from? And even Mm -hmm. if you don't know the exact moment in time, it's still understanding that pattern on how it it kind of arrived to today. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, going back to I'm just a dentist, there was multiple individuals that I had experienced. And even society jokes about the fact that dentists aren't real doctors and stuff at times. And so, I mean, that's just been ingrained in me for so long. So I had to go back and really unpack that and really recognize the fact that, okay, like I've 
worked so hard since the age of 14 and like navigated challenges and a learning mm-hmm. disability amongst them to be able to get to. So it's not that easy to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, it's I am this. And you right. get to fill in those blanks. And then there's the aspect of starting to reframe how you choose to speak to yourself. And I think that that is a big one. Mm-hmm. When we use statements like, I'm just a dentist, or I'm just, and you can fill the blank in with whatever, or I'm, I'm just enough. Mm-hmm. The word just is disempowering. A form of say- yeah, it's, there's always something that's lacking. So it's right. taking out that word out of your vocabulary to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that's where reframing starts to come in. So reframing, instead of using blanket statements or generalized statements, mm-hmm. you get to actually navigate and start to add specifics in. So mm-hmm. let's do a quick reframe. So instead of saying, I'm just a dentist, that reframe is, I'm a dentist and I know I've got great critical thinking skills and that I can sit with my clients and work through and show them a different perspective. It's, Mm -hmm. and that's where instead of these generalized statements, you get to develop a better story honed Mm -hmm. in on one that you've written and that you know is true instead of just making an assumption Mm. and stating something that then tears you down. Mm. I love that. And I love how you were saying you kind of start to define what that is instead of the I'm just a, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of I am a distant, a dentist and really defining what you are using that empowering language and a definition that you're proud of. It's kind of, you know, we, we similarly, we call it like, what is your unique value proposition? What is your moniker? What is the mm-hmm. The, the hook that's going to like that differentiates you from other people. Um, and I think that's powerful. But one of the key things that you've talked about is doing the work, doing that inner work. <laughs> yeah, and that's really difficult, especially, you know, when you kind of sit there and you're staring at a blank page, or you don't even know where to start. How do you help someone get started to really think about where is that inner, like, what is, you know, where, what is, where did that inner voice come from? Or when they really start to kind of do this self-assessment of themselves, what are some of the ways to help them kind of give themselves or gift themselves the time to do that? Mm -hmm. When someone's starting to navigate their inner voice and they start to notice it coming up, building that self-awareness is that first step because you have Mm. to be able to, to see it, to hear it, to then to be able to make changes. So you may not even know that you have certain statements that you've been saying to yourself that have Mm -hmm. been hindering you. And that is the first step when creating the self-awareness. The second step in that is then not getting angry at yourself when you see it and when Mm. you hear it, because in those moments in time, it's so easy to recognize being like, oh, I, I swear I saw this and I've worked through it and I know that it's there. Why can't I change it or why can't I catch it fast enough? Mm-hmm. And it's not whether or not you're catching it fast enough. It's recognizing when that voice then starts to come up. So that second step is giving yourself permission to explore it. And mm-hmm. in exploration, there's no reason to get angry because you're trying to gather a whole bunch of information during that time. Right. So that first one is recognizing it, seeing it, creating self-awareness. The second is then, okay, I see it. Let's start to gather information and let's start to be kinder to ourselves. And so when 
I talk to people about their inner voice, it goes back to recognizing, okay, are there certain times of day that it, it comes up? Mm-hmm. Does it come up more so often when you haven't had a great night's sleep? Are you speaking to someone in particular who tends to set off that voice? So mm-hmm. we get to start to yes. evaluate throughout your entire day. Okay, when are you more prone to using that voice? Because then when you can see it and when you know it's coming, you get to prepare yourself for those moments. So then it doesn't turn into this snowball that then turns into an avalanche. Mm. I love that. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, when we think about failures and setbacks, and I think that's sometimes when that inner voice can start like almost screaming in your ear, right? Um, What are some of the techniques that help you move forward or that you, you know, coach your, you know, your, your leaders that you're working with to help them not really get kind of caught up or stuck within those setbacks or failures, because as you and I both know, the research shows that um, women tend to kind of sit and stew in that a little bit longer. They ruminate Mm -hmm. in that much longer than our male peers, where they seem to just like let it roll off their back and they keep going. Um, But can you talk a little bit about that? Because I do feel like there is a link between that inner voice getting louder when you you know, encounter those failures or setbacks. Yeah. How do you, how do you coach around that? So there's two, um, two aspects that I like to go about coaching it. The first one is well, what ends up happening when that voice becomes really loud in the moment that you're doing something, mm-hmm. right? Because then there's the immediate reaction that you need to react. And then there is the delayed response on mm-hmm. how to navigate the rumination. So the first one is what I like to call thought anesthetized. And the reason why I like it is because like any nerve that you're anesthetizing, the sensation comes back eventually. So we're not shoving down emotions. We're not Mm. shoving down thoughts, but we're understanding that in the moment, let's say you're getting ready to deliver a big pitch. And just before you're getting ready to go on, all of a sudden those thoughts start to come up. What if I make a mistake? What if I stumble over my words? What if I can't get my point across? What if someone asks a question that I don't know an answer to? All of those thoughts aren't actually beneficial for you getting yourself ready to start to pitch. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, you get to then stop your thought. So you anesthetize the thought. You Mm. recognize, okay, I'm on that path. I'm going to revisit it later. Okay, so that's Mm. the first part of it. So it's stop thought. Get back to, okay, let's review what I need to go over. Let's stand in my power stance. Let's mm-hmm. um, prep myself knowing that as soon as I've pitched, I'm going to go um, grab a hot chocolate afterwards, whatever whatever that looks like to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Then at the end of it, whether it's after the end of the pitch or at the end of the day, you create a worry time. You have to bring yourself back to that moment so mm. you can analyze why you started to experience it and what were those questions that started to come up. Mm -hmm. 
worry time has to be a clocked amount of time, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, let your brain just run wild with all the thoughts. Mm -hmm. At the end of it, as you start to get closer to the end of that time frame, you then start to have to answer those questions. Well, what if you don't have an answer? Mm -hmm. What if you don't know something? What if you do stumble? When you start to answer those questions, it helps calm our brain down because we're finding solutions for those mm -hmm. answers. Right. Then you create one minute at the end of the worry, and that's where you get to reflect on what went well. Mm. Because it's so easy to just navigate, okay, but all the what ifs. You have to mm -hmm. show yourself, okay, but even though I worried initially, I am now past that point, what did go well in that moment in mm -hmm. time? Right. Then the last question that you ask, and this is for, again, those that immediate reaction is, regardless of the problem, can I find a solution? Hmm. Your answer is always going to be yes. Maybe it's not an immediate solution. Maybe you have to ask someone for a bit of information or mm -hmm. it takes time to analyze your project, but you'll always be able to find a solution. So that's an immediate situation to control that negative, those negative thoughts in your inner voice when it starts to run wild. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of you've woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you're playing back something or maybe it's a week or two weeks later and you're starting to ruminate on stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate it through it? Well, your brain requires tangible information to start to remind you that you are in fact capable. Mm -hmm. So first things first is using kinder words when you choose to speak to yourself. Mm -hmm. Instead of going back and saying, well, that was crap. I was a crap speaker or whatever it is. It's saying, mm -hmm. what was it that I'm really focusing in on? Right. Then you get to adjust it and say, okay, well, what would I want to do different? Mm. Biggest change between rumination and reflection is reflection looks forward to what can I do different? Rumination keeps you stuck in the past of what went wrong. Mm, I love that distinction. I love that distinction. And I love how you're bringing in some of your, 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 your expertise and dentistry of having to like, you're, you're like, it's just like, let's numb the sensation for right, right? now and we'll come back to it. Right. Um, I love it. Uh, but, but it's so true. Like right now, just like, let's put a stop to it. I, I'm not shoving it anywhere or yeah. compartmentalizing it. I'm going to come back and revisit it and take and treat it. But right now it's going to set, it's going to, you know, hold me back. So mm -hmm. I love that idea of like pushing pause, getting done. And, and again, reminding ourselves, I mean, I always have to just, you know, remind myself that, you know, that fear is, you know, I love silly acronyms, right? It's, it's false evidence appearing real. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to put a pin in it right now because it's not real. Let me get through this. And then at the end, go back and like you said, do a little bit of that um, code red of like, well, if, you know, these things didn't go wrong, but in the next one, if it does go wrong, how would mm -hmm. I mit mitigate it? Um, and those types of things. I think it's super powerful. I loved how you broke that down. Now, speaking of, you know, you talked a little bit about the that one question of like, will I find or can I find a solution? And the answer being yes, always. Mm -hmm. But some of that is tapping into your community, right? Of mentors, sponsors, you know, individuals who can help you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that of like, 
you know, even you yourself, as you know, you probably had a really strong community in the in the dentistry world. But as you started becoming this really kind of, um, you know, well known coach or a coach that is is, you know, how did you tap into your community to kind of start flexing this new muscle that you were developing? Mm-hmm. Um, and how would you, you know, what advice would you give to people when they're trying to build a new community when they've had this like set community that you've built around yourself? Yeah. Oh, so I love this one because this is ever evolving as we do throughout our entire careers. And so it's recognizing that maybe a mentor or even a mentee that you have or someone who's close to you, they may be the right person at that point in time, but that you're allowed to consistently evolve and network and Mm. make new connections. First and foremost, you need a foundational trust squad. That's what I like to call them. Those Mm. are the people. (laughs) I love that. Right? So those are the people who you can go to them on bad days and they're not going to judge you, but that you can also go to them on really good days and share your successes and they're not competing with you either. So they're not going to tear you down because again, going back to that inner voice, you already have that inner voice who can be quite negative towards you. You don't need your outside sources of people tearing you down too. So right there, you need to start to evaluate, okay, who are those people in my foundational mm-hmm. community who support me? That could be a spouse, that could be a best friend, that could be a mentor, whatever that looks like to you. Usually, those are only a couple of people. It's not that you've got this vast community. It's you've got a couple of people that you go to and they are those foundations. Then what you do is as you start to build out and make new connections, you get to figure out, okay, who else do I want to now bring into this? Mm -hmm. And you may make a mistake on who you choose Mm -hmm. and that's okay. But then when you find those people and you recognize that these are individuals that align with your message and that Mm -hmm. are your cheerleaders as well, right? Mm -hmm. Then you get to now incorporate them and also support them on their journey. Mm -hmm. Because as you start to build out and shift into something that's new or scale or make yourself well known and put yourself out there, there are going to be people who don't want you to get to that place. So there's always going to be someone who has something to say. And as long as you prepare yourself that, okay, the more impact that I have, the more that I'm likely going to not connect with some people and they're going to have words of their own to say, that means that you're getting your voice out there more and that you're making a difference. So when you have that foundational trust squad, when those outside voices that can be really mean pop Mm -hmm. up, you have those individuals that you know you can rely on and that you know you'll value their opinion. Because any random Joe Schmo who just says something for the sake of saying it, you wouldn't go to them for advice anyway. So why would you think it's okay Mm -hmm. to listen to their opinion? Yeah. I think that's so powerful because I think usually that's what happens where, you know, again, when you start putting your perspective out there, Mm -hmm. you also know that there's going to be two sides of the coin, people who agree and people who disagree. Um, But I think sometimes because we as individuals, and it's not just women, but it can be more pronounced in women, I think of that putting our the putting the validation in someone else's hands kind of like that external validation is so important when really it should be your own internal validation and then 
the external should come from, like you said, those trusted advisors mm-hmm. or, or individuals that you know are going to help, you know, help you move forward opposed to hold you back. I think that's so powerful. Can you talk a little bit about, so, you know, setting goals and especially if you have an inner voice that is holding you back or an inner voice that is kind of tempering your potential, mm-hmm. how how do you help someone really kind of set and achieve goals that aren't set to where like, I'm going to set the goal because I know I can reach it opposed to really kind of shooting for the stars, right? How do you help somebody get past that of really kind of creating that big, hairy, audacious goal, that BHAG of a goal that, you know, where sometimes we ourselves do ourselves a disservice of saying, well, I'm going to set the goal to this because I know that I can reach it and I won't fail. How do you challenge someone on that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, before going in and even explaining how to set those goals, let's go back to perfectionism because yes. that's what we have to work through first to understand, okay, what goal are we setting, why we're setting it, and then how do we get there? And so perfectionism can be broken down into three components. The first one being it's self-invented pressure that we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So setting these unrealistic expectations and then not feeling like we ever live up to them. Right. The second component is judging our self-worth on the ability to achieve and then keep on achieving. Mm. And then the third is because of one and two, you can develop negative side effects like stomach ulcers, acid reflux, insomnia, mental health concerns. And so perfectionism isn't actually that great. And so like you, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. Okay. Mm -hmm. For the individual who experiences perfectionism and is setting goals, we have to set realistic goals, but then a separate set of goals that are those stretchy, hairy, sweaty goals, okay? Right. And those realistic goals give us the opportunity to get to checkpoints and acknowledging our progress. Mm -hmm. Because as a perfectionist, if things aren't perfect, then we don't put it out there. We fear stepping outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So we need to have two sets of different goals. The first set gives us the opportunity to allow for progression. The second is that outrageous goal that we know we'll get there, but that's going to take multiple phases and lots of time in order to get there. When we can distinguish the two, that then allows our brain to calm itself because it needs those smaller tasks for us to Mm -hmm. do in order to get to that bigger one. So there's a desired discomfort zone where Mm -hmm. we're stretching ourselves. If we stretch ourselves too far outside of the comfort zone initially, then we actually retreat back in and we, we stay there in that Mm. fear. Right. So we want to stretch ourselves enough so that we're consistently moving forward, but not too much then that it's so far out that we end up retracting. Mm. So in order to distinguish that, you have to give yourself the opportunity to go back and adjust them as needed. Mm-hmm. But also going back to that internal validation, acknowledging and bragging about your wins. And I think for yes. women in general, <laughs> yes. we don't do that enough. And I realize society's expectations and the culture as a whole has just, there's this thing around when women brag, we don't think twice when a man brags. And yet when a woman brags, it's, we find it in ourselves uncomfortable to share those things. Mm -hmm. And so we have to start sharing more of them. If we don't share what we're doing, how are people going to know? Right. So 
that's what we have to get more comfortable with is not just setting those goals, but then when we win those smaller parts of goals or the part of the bigger goal, we get to then share that with others as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that's so important of the whole celebrating those accomplishments, embracing those accomplishments. But I loved how you talk about that, you know, we need to have that comfortable stretch um, and setting that, you know, big audacious goal, but breaking it down into those realistic, tangible goals so that you feel you get that intrinsic motivation of keep going, mm-hmm. but then making sure that all the goals are tied to your big goal. So eventually you get there. Yeah. Um, and so it's not as scary, but you see yourself kind of like, you know, it's like, how are you going to get up the mountain? Well, one step at a time. But, you know, the the tangible kind of realistic goals is that, well, I can take a thousand steps today. Um, or, you know, to get up the mountain and or, or you know, breaking it down in that way. I loved it. Or pack a sandwich and it turns into an overnighter like that's yeah, and I think exactly. That that's, <laughs> and I think that that's what we forget is, is that, OK, sure, I'm taking all of these steps up the hill and like I'm making it there, but it's still so far away. But I mean, weather changes, maybe you trip over a rock, like maybe there's a bear and you had to like retreat a bit and then you go back up. Like there's all these challenges that we forget. So when we when we build out this amazing massive goal we also have to remind ourselves that it's okay if there's challenges yeah because going back to that question will you be able to figure it out yeah you most definitely will absolutely i loved it Awesome. I could talk to you forever, Jessica, but um, I think, you know, uh, it, this 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 goes to show that there's probably going to be a part two and a part three in the future, <laughs> uh, especially with, I know that, you know, you are, your series of speaking kindly or listening, you have some ideas of like what's coming next. But before we do that, I want to dive into our lightning round questions. Yeah. Um, and because these are some of my, my favorite ones. And I think it also, it also just helps us get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so the first lightning round question, what book has greatly influenced you the giver by lois lowry Mm, i like that one what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying so this one i found a few years ago uh i heard it from dwayne johnson the rock first but i've tried to see if it's come from anyone else and it's be the person that when your feet touch the floor in the morning the devil says ah shit they're up and you can replace the (laughs) devil with whomever (laughs) i love it i love it oh i love the rock too so uh, yeah (laughs) that's awesome what is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself fierce fierce i love it what is one change habit behavior action that you implemented that really made your life better prioritizing sleep that Mm. was a big one i would that would be the first thing that i sacrificed all the time and Mm. that has an effect on our emotions on our thoughts on our inner voice and so prioritizing that made a huge difference ah that's important yes i do love some sleep (laughs) uh and then final one and this is my favorite so here's jessica about to walk up on stage um, what is the power song that would be playing as you walked out onto the, onto that stage? So this actually changes for me. This is an exercise I do with my clients and uh-huh. I have them link it to certain events. So uh-huh. instead of a power pose, you listen to a song. Uh-huh. And so mine currently right now is King by Florence and the Machines. Mm, I love it. Awesome. And it does change. Mine changes all the time too, but yeah. it's just like, okay, what do I, I need to pump myself up. What song? Yeah. Do I do? <laughs> 
Um, I love it. So I know that our audience is going to want to hear more from you, um, Jessica. So I know that, you know, you have your book, Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about where they can, I know you have a podcast as well. So let's talk about how people can reach you, follow you, uh, what are the best channels for them to connect with you, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they can definitely check me out on uh, social media platforms like Instagram, uh, TikTok, LinkedIn, um, as well as through my website. And each Sunday, I do what I call a Sunday slay. So it's a reframing. So if you're interested, you can sign up through my website. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited. So book official release date is November 17th. Speak kindly, you're listening and podcast with the same name as well. I love it. I love it. So we will definitely have this out there as part of your launch so that people can kind of get to know you and what it's about. Uh, but I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I I've, I know a little bit just because you and I have connected and you've talked talk to me about it. So um, I'm anticipating on, on kind of sitting down and making that a weekend read. So thanks again so much for your time. And uh, we will have you on here, I'm sure, in the future. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.